if you look at look at what Biden's saying, uh, it's as if he's almost overturned 70 years of foreign policy in the space of a few days. You know, um, America uh, now is not going to be the world's policeman. Um, it, it, it's very interesting that. Hello and welcome to the Fortune and Freedom podcast, where Nigel Farage and Nikolai Hubble give you a unique take on what's really going on in the world of finance, investing and politics. We hope you sit back and enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to this week in review with Nigel Farage. Nigel, the big story continues to be Afghanistan. Before we dig into the financial side, I'm sure you've got plenty to say about it, so I'll let you uh, say your piece. Well, I mean, amazing, isn't it? To see the Taliban now dressed in full American military equipment with the head night sights, uh, flying Hawk helicopters with uh, their own slogans now down the side. And Joe Biden's just given a terrorist organization 85 billion pounds, a dollar's worth of up-to-date top military equipment. This is the best armed Islamic group in the world. Um, and any thoughts that it's the new Taliban, that the country boys, as our chief of the Imperial General Staff said, I mean, goodness knows what he'd be drinking at lunchtime. Um, already we're seeing executions in the streets, uh, women having to wear, you know, full burkas and all the rest of it. Um, yeah, you know, the bad guys are back. Um, there is little doubt that Afghanistan will now become um, a place from which international terror can be planned and possibly even launched. Um, how Biden gave up the Bagram Air Base and decided on an evacuation from Kabul Airport, which is like a little regional airport. It's like, you know, going to a small, you know, East Midlands, you know, Robin Hood Airport in, 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 in this country. I will never know. Uh, to do so, to make that decision unilaterally without consulting with us, their closest ally, or NATO, uh, puts the whole future, frankly, of military alliances, even the future of NATO itself and the special relationship into deep, cold storage at best. Um, and if you look at, look at what Biden's saying, uh, it's as if he's almost overturned 70 years of foreign policy in the space of a few days. You know, uh, America uh, now is not going to be the world's policeman. Um, it, it, it's very interesting that they said Trump was the small-minded, um, you know, America first. But Donald Trump, I, I tell you this, I know him. Donald Trump spent the whole day on the phone to other world leaders. You know, he was always, he was always consulting, always chatting, uh, and Biden is utterly disconnected. Uh, I mean, he can barely string a sentence together. And in terms of his presidency, at the moment, it's hurt him more on the international stage than it has the domestic stage, because a lot of Americans buy the narrative that after 20 years, it's too blooming long. And I get that. I understand that. You know, and Trump wanted to withdraw. Yep, that's true. But only as and when the Taliban signed a peace deal with the Afghan government, which frankly wasn't going to happen, which is why Trump never withdrew in the four years that he was president. And we had this kind of situation where the Afghan army was doing the fighting. The Americans and us were giving air cover. We haven't lost a soldier there for seven years. They haven't lost one for almost two years. Um, so, you know, actually the reasons Biden's given a bogus. I think in terms of American politics, uh, the dam will break. Uh, I, 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 I just think things will get worse for Biden from here. Um, interestingly, his deputy, Kamala Harris, is even more unpopular than Biden is. And you now start to ask questions. Given that the Senate's 50-50, and okay, they've got the casting vote, given 
that in the House of Representatives, they've literally got a majority of a handful. And you now begin to ask, will they be able to get the next big rounds of stimulus packages voted through on Capitol Hill? That starts to become a question that could have economic impact. Um, and whilst the American economy has been doing phenomenally well, uh, you know, sometimes you get these moments where there is a collective loss of confidence. So I think there is an amber light flashing when it comes to the US stock market for the next few months. I think caution um, is, is perhaps advised with American stocks. Plus, you know, inflation, um, inflation we see month after month um, in America, more so than here, um, exceeds everything the Fed tell us that it's gonna be for reasons, Nick, that you and I have talked about um, in these previous broadcasts. So let's move on to, to the impact this will have on defense stocks because I can't quite work it out. I've been writing about them for a long time now because in the age of MMT and deficits don't matter, theoretically defense stocks should be a good way to play that trend. But this Afghanistan issue has come along and I can't quite figure out whether this is gonna be great for defense stocks because if America withdraws from the, the, you know, this policing the world stage, as you mentioned, I have, I have actually that, that headline from the Telegraph article that I was gonna ask you about with exactly that quote. Is that great because everyone else is going to you know, bump up their spending and the EU nations are finally going to meet their, their commitments under the likes of the NATO and all of this sort of thing? Or is this a huge loss of spending because America is no longer going to police the world? Well, it's about priorities, isn't it? And, you know, we've got virtually every NHS trust in the country screaming for more money. We have a backlog of five and a half million operations and that backlog goes up every day, not down every day. Uh, who's to say we don't get uh, this winter, you know, a serious flu outbreak or perhaps another strain of COVID? Uh, I mean, what is clear is that those that have had the vaccine are much less likely to be seriously ill, but it doesn't stop you getting ill. Um, so I, I think the pressures on local government wanting money, the pressures on the NHS wanting money, the pressures on education, because more and more kids are going to school because the population's exploding. Because since 2000, you know, millions of people have now settled in Britain from all over the world, Eastern Europe, Pakistan, you name it, and they're having children. So we need a lot more money for primary schools. So you start to think about the priorities that Boris Johnson's government has got. And even though strategically, what Biden has done is shown that for global Britain to be you know, a realistic phrase, we should, be upping military expenditure, I still think it's quite low down the list of priorities. I genuinely do compared to the other problems that Johnson faces. And when it comes to how people will vote in 2024 or whatever the next general election is, let's be frank, for most voters, healthcare is gonna matter a lot more than the size of the army. Do you think that's gonna be the case in, in other places, especially in the, the countries that are not living up to their commitments on defence spending? Will they focus on local priorities or will they step up? Well, I mean, this is what Trump did. You know, Trump turned up at the, at the brand new shiny headquarters in Brussels and said, why have we wasted all this money? As he always does. Um, but basically said to the Germans, you know, stop mucking about, stop riding off our back. You know, we've had half a million troops in Germany for 50 years to protect you against the Soviets. And all we're asking you to do is to pay the 2% membership fee to NATO and you're paying 1.1. And, and Trump actually did get some increases in other NATO members' expenditure, though not up to the level uh, that's been understood since the late 1940s 
to be the marker. Uh, look, German politics is, is in a very funny place at the moment. We've got an election coming, you know, in just a few days time. Uh, Merkel is going, you know, after this long 16 year reign uh, with, from what I can see, no achievements whatsoever. I mean, literally no achievements whatsoever. Uh, Germany, not in a great place, uh, economically, even industrially in danger of falling behind some of the new high-tech uh, sort of fintech industries that are now becoming so dominant. I mean, yeah, they're good at engineering, I get that. Um, so we're gonna finish up with some form of coalition in Germany. I don't yet know what it's gonna be, but it's not entirely inconceivable that the Socialist Party and the Green Party uh, between them could have a very large number of seats in the Bundestag. And if they were able to form, <laughs> whether they can form a coalition themselves or whether it's a grand coalition, I think the voices on the left in Germany are gonna be strong. And, and let's face it, the Greens across Europe are utterly pacifist. I mean, they would, they would disarm rather than rearm. So do I see big increases in German military expenditure even less likely than it is here. It seems to me that this is a, a trend towards sort of, we're asking for trouble later on with China. Um, we're, we're doing this this pacifist <coughs> trend of, of falling military spending and you know, yeah, yeah. leaving Afghanistan. And it just seems to be setting the scene for uh, giving a lot of way to China, which I know we, we share a lot of interest in. Do yeah, you yeah. think this is going to encourage the Chinese with the likes of Taiwan? Do you think they're going to be upping their defence oh, spending? I mean, come on. I mean, number one, not only has Biden given the Taliban all this kit, but he's also opened up $3.5 trillion worth of mineral assets that are there in Afghanistan. Some of them, like copper, have been resourced already. Others, like lithium, they haven't even started. It looks like Afghanistan has a very large lithium load, without which, of course, we can't build electric cars. Um, and China already, already have the copper mine that's open there. And you can bet your bottom dollar uh, they'll have lithium uh, production going on there very, very soon. So it's been a great fortnight for the Chinese in terms of access to resources. But I think more significantly, the sabre rattling over Taiwan, we saw it in Xi's big speech, the centenary speech of the Communist Party. We've even seen some of the Chinese state media mocking the Americans over Taiwan. And then Biden saying that America wouldn't intervene unless it was directly in America's interests. So if there's a Chinese incursion in, into Taiwan, my guess is we do nothing. My guess is we do absolutely nothing. And then you kind of finish up a bit like the middle late 1930s where Nazi Germany took territory and we didn't do anything. They took more territory, we didn't do anything. And in the end, there was a massive global conflagration which perhaps we could have stopped with the Sudeten land in 1936. So, I mean, I don't want to I don't sort of depress everybody watching this, but, but, but we mustn't underestimate uh, that not only is China trying to become the number one economic power in the world, um, a project which they're proceeding with pretty effectively, um, but they've got very, very big military ambitions as well. So yes, I think that Taiwan is very under threat. You know, that is where the vast majority of semiconductors are manufactured in the world. 
everybody else technologically on that key component is year, literally years and years behind Taiwan. So yes, I think, uh, I think what Biden has done uh, is gonna have uh, global consequences, domestic consequences that potentially will last for many, many years to come. My understanding as well of that period in the 30s is that you know, military spending was, was you know, lacking and a lot of nations were caught by surprise. So that's another analogy that we're, we're walking into the same set of mistakes. Yes, I mean, that's right. Um, economically, it's a little bit different because, of course, one of the problems in the 30s was deflation as opposed to inflation. Um, I, mean, I mean, the economics are interesting. If we separate the economics out, uh, there are some remarkable 1970s parallels. You know, already we're seeing unions making increasing demands for pay. Uh, we're seeing, as I've said already in this chat, uh, bigger demands for health spending, bigger demands for education spending, um, a government that is desperate uh, to reduce its massive levels of borrowing. And they're down a bit, of course, from the height of the pandemic, but they're still very, very significant. Um, and inflation creeping into the system. So it's sort of a, I'm not going to say that a winter of discontent is coming, but I do think we're in for a very difficult winter. And I think the government's in for a very difficult time. And what is interesting is to see the support for Boris's leadership is beginning to melt away. Uh, I mean, quite interesting, Alistair Heath, who's a very pro-conservative commentator on The Telegraph, highly intelligent, great journalist, and it's worth reading his piece today, folks, it really is, in The Telegraph, you can get it online. But he's kind of saying, that Boris wanted to be Churchill. He wanted to be this grand, decisive figure. And actually, because he wants to please everyone and doesn't like making decisions, you know, he's very rapidly becoming a failure on virtually every level. Uh, there is a, a reluctance to promote talent, almost as if, what if I have Hancock in health and now I have Raab in the Foreign Office, you know, they're pretty useless. Well, that's good because they take the flak, not me. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think politically uh, we're headed for a tricky winter and perhaps economically we're headed for a bit of a difficult winter. And I'm, and I'm very frustrated, Nick, because I feel that we're squandering the benefits of Brexit slightly, not wholly. There's still money wants to come in. There's still entrepreneurship out there. But we are squandering ever so slightly the benefits of Brexit. And we've certainly squandered completely the huge advantage we had with the early days of the vaccine rollout. And our economic growth is nothing like, if, we, if we're being frank, nothing like we hoped that it would be. So, you know, I, you know we, we are not going to go through a winter of a very happy, self-confident administration and a booming economy. There'll be good things that happen within the economy. Of course there will. But it just isn't going to be anything like as good as it could be.